Are you ready for the weekend yet? We have events, news, and a guest for you to enjoy this Lake Life weekend. Hello and welcome to another episode of Lake Life Weekend Podcast. I'm Dirk, I'm your host, and we're approaching weekend 30 of this July month of 2020. And uh, today is an interesting interview as Harry and I were driving on Highway 10 to Perham one of these days a while back. And um, he has a remote-controlled car that he has been playing around with for a while. And there was a sign, a white sign in the field, and it said RC something, RC airfield, or not even, air, not so specific. And I think he put together the RC, the remote-controlled part. It caught his attention, and we, we looked at it, and there was an airstrip. And I was like, well, that must be a small, an airplane club, remote-controlled airplane club. We let it go. We went to our shop here um, where we are recording. And um, on a different occasion, we were leaving Perm to go back home. And all of a sudden, I saw those colorful small airplanes in the air. And uh, sure enough, there was a meet. And there was a fairly big group of people flying their remote-controlled airplanes. So it uh, didn't take us uh, long to decide to stop and uh, introduce ourselves and look at everything that they are doing there. And we connected uh, to Glenn and Jim and invited them to do a podcast interview with us about their club, the Screaming Eagles. And uh, yeah, in this episode, you will learn about a very interesting hobby uh, some of the history and um, the local chapter here and the club and all about that. So I think that's a cool episode, a little bit outdoorsy and um, for model hobbyists. So stay tuned for that. Otherwise, um, lots going on. Um, we are in the peak of summer here. It's beautiful out. We had some rains, but I truly enjoy it myself because everything is so green. We have lush uh, um, trees and green fields. Uh, I think it's Awesome. Please be so kind and go to our new destination map, weekendnow.com, W-K-N-D-N-O-W.com, and you will find all kinds of things to explore and find in the area. So please stop there. And if you have any questions, concerns, or ideas, please feel free to email us to hello at lakelifeweekend.com and let us know what you're thinking. So Looking forward to connecting with you and hearing about your stories that you want to share. So now I don't want to take this much longer and uh, please enjoy our interview with the Screaming Eagles and Airplane, Remote Airplane Club. So have a great weekend ahead. Welcome to our interview part. I'm here with Glenn and Jim, welcome. Thank you. We're Thanks glad, for coming glad on. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, no, um, I met you at your airfield of the Screaming Eagles, a remote controlled airplane club. Um, coincidentally, while I was on Highway 10 and my son saw the sign, we never noticed it, I must admit, but we stopped and you had some beautiful um, planes and flying objects yeah. uh, of any sort and there was a whole group of people I was uh, 
positively surprised and I believe I saw you also or something uh, some of you at the mall before yes. you have an annual outing um, but before we actually speak about the club and uh, learn about remote controlled airplanes and maybe even as much about the history that you know and can share us uh, introduce yourself a little bit um, who uh, are you and where you're from and what brought you to Lakes Country well I, I retired actually uh, and my my dad and my grandparents grew up in Henning yeah so then when we got ready to retire it was a good spot to retire to uh, we were living in Bismarck at the time and I uh, just we were looking around and found the perfect place and then I hooked up with the RC club here because I've been flying model airplanes since I was 12 oh so and I just turned 77 so <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long, long time, I'll tell you. But I've flown just about everything you could think of as far as it built and designed my own planes. And uh, uh, it's just a hobby that's, that's stuck with me over the years. Uh, my dad was in the Navy, so we were traveling all over the country. And his profession in the Navy was aviation machinist mate, so he was kind of repaired to airplanes. So that's kind of, I don't know, I think that's probably where I got my interest from, from him. So My dad was a pilot in the Air Force in Germany. Uh, and, but that is beside. I was always fascinated by airplanes myself. Yeah, um, well, that's, that's, it it yeah. is beautiful. Uh, yeah. uh, it's not so easy to fly, uh, even remote controlled in Germany because of air restrictions and it's very populated. Yes. Uh, um, so uh, you, yeah, you need those spaces here. We are blessed with space. Yeah. Uh, um, and I'm, first of all, I'm, I'm very happy that you retired in Lakes Country and I think this is a wonderful spot. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, we we really like we like the whole area the whole lakes country area here is just ter terrific so yeah it's very so. very connected it's a little different than the prairie which has its beauty too and uh, we have the river by Bismarck sure I've been there and Mandan is close and Medora and those yeah. things Badlands I mean another beauty uh, yeah. of this corner of the the United States I, I mean I liked it out there and we had they had two big clubs there but then we had a big town too. Yeah. And so we had two big clubs, and uh, I did newsletter for one of the clubs, and I think I was officers, and at one point in time I was an officer of different, in fact I was an officer at one point in time of three different clubs, so, but that was living in Fargo at that time, so. So you have been very engaged in the in the very sport much, yes. or hobby. Uh, yes. You're a hobbyist, I guess, both of you. Yeah. But explain to me. You just mentioned '77. You started when you were 12. That puts you in the mid, like uh, that's like 60 years ago plus yes. that you started model. Yes. A plane. Um, back. Is it driving? Flying. Back. So back then, the the primary. How did that work? How did that look like? <laughs> back then, the primary uh, model flying was with control line, with flying wires and going in circles. Radio control was available, but it was pretty primitive. And uh, I did dabble in it when I was uh, in high school, not real successfully. Uh, you tend they tended to fly away pretty good. You didn't have a lot of control. Huh. You know, and no control. <laughs> <laughs> well, it. <laughs> The stuff I was flying, the only control we had was a rudder in the back to steer it around. You know and what? It flew until the motor quit, and then you hoped you could get it glided back to you close by so you didn't have to hike too far. <laughs> but, but now that you say that, actually, there is a club in Fargo, and I used to live um, in Horace. 
Yeah. And there is this club that is a circular tarred. Yes. And that that's is on a string. Yep. That's and it. that's what explain like t tell me about the history. So uh, like six years ago, that was how it flew. You had a that's string. That's FM Skylarks. And they're still there. Yep. They still fly. We and I belong to that club. Uh, I do fly some control lines still. Uh, that what they have there tends to be they have a contest every year, a major contest. Yeah, yeah. And it's a big event once a year. And once a year. This year they had to cancel because of the coronavirus, yep. which uh, a lot of clubs have done that. Small clubs can get by with with having a, a, a fun fly to speak of, but it's a lot of places just, you know, a lot of us in Perm Club are older. And so it's, we're a little bit more cautious because of our age. Uh, it's It's tougher. This virus is a lot tougher on the older people than it is on the younger ones, mm -hmm. and so you know, I agree, and I think that's good that yeah, we do so that. We're we're you know we want to fly safe, and that's part of flying safe is you know not flying if there's a problem. And yeah, it's yeah. like real life. You don't yeah, yeah. fly into a storm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No light, right? Yeah. So, um, so your father inspired you, uh, yeah. motivated you. You yeah. flew. You flew with the. Yeah. What uh, else is so that was the beginning of uh, uh, con of let's call it what is it not re it was not remote controlled it was yeah, like uh, flying model flying model course. flying yeah my first airplane was a plastic model that was made by some little company that no longer exists and it it flew on 15 foot strings with nylon core you know and the first time I, I got it for Christmas and the first time I actually flew it my dad took me out to this place and I suppose I think he expected the plane to go up in the air and come straight down and crash and I made three flights with the thing, and we went home, complained just fine. <laughs> so, oh. and that's after that, it was just—it's been history. That it's just a matter of I. Did it have an engine then? Or? Yeah, it had a, had a little gas gasoline. Engine. It, the the engines we tend to now get more toward electrics and gasoline-powered planes. Uh, back in those days, pretty much everything was. Uh, uh, powered by methanol and nitromethane and castor oil mixture. And so, and of course it made a big sloppy mess all over the airplanes because you had to have so much oil to keep these things from burning up. So, uh -huh. you know, some, you know, 25% of your fuel was oil, uh -huh. you know. So, I mean, if you put 25% of, of your, in your gas tank in your car, it would smoke to beat the band, you know. Right. And that's what happened. Okay. But, but that's, you know, and they lasted a long time, these, these engines. I've got engines that are, I've got an engine at home now that I got when I was, four, for my birthday, when I was 14 years old, it still runs. Really? Yeah. Quality made. Yeah. <laughs> Fascinating. So it's, yeah. But I, like I say, I started with the control line. I had a friend of mine that I hung out with, a school buddy whose dad and some of his buddies were doing it. So during the summer, we kind of got with them when they were flying, and that's what got me started. Uh, and then, of course, my dad gave me my Christmas present. And yeah. then from there, it just kind of, I mean, there's a spine line between, uh, you know, what we do is being sane and insane type thing, you know. Some, okay. of, some of these guys have hundreds of models. Uh, there are people that I know that you know, have Quonset huts full of airplane stuff. I mean, really? thousands of airplanes that they've just collected over the years. I've got a friend over in Fergus Falls that has got a barn full of airplanes that he doesn't fly. He huh. can't fly. He, he's He's got muscular dystrophy. He shakes so bad he can't fly, but 
he's still got the airplanes and but I don't imagine they're any good anymore they've been sitting in a hot barn for years so, so tell us a little bit more now we can dive a little deeper so we know that it exists for 60 plus yeah. years the the sport or the hobby uh, we improved from a string to actually remote control yep. technology yep. so we kind of could flew a bigger radius or uh, yeah, different the, types of the big thing with the with technology advancing was that we started out with just one control on the radio control uh, when you're flying the control line of course you have the elevators and centrifugal force keeps the plane tight on the lines so if you don't have line tension you don't have control because it either pulls up or pulls down on the elevators mm -hmm. on RC on the other hand all we had in the beginning was a rudder and the rudder that's the back thing. that was the, the vertical fin in the back that would turn and that was set up so that it would go full right or full left and it would drop the nose and go into a spiral dive. You could then reverse it and level out. Or if you got into a fast enough spiral dive, you could reverse it and actually do a loop with it. Uh, and that's how lots it started. Lots of practice and lots of damage? A lot of practice, a lot of time. <laughs> and they were basically free flight models with, with, with a little bit of control to them. Uh -huh. And as time went on, they started being able to figure out how to do the rudder and the elevator and then then of course we come up with all the digital stuff and that's when it really kind of blossomed and, and that was back in the 70s when that started in. Define digital, what does that mean? Uh, a series of pulses is sent out by a transmitter that's recorded, it's picked up by the receiver in the airplane yeah. and the length and width of those pulses, how fast they're sent and how, how long the pulses are, sends a signal to one of the, serv the servos that operate the controls, and that's what turns it. Uh, so different kinds of commands. Yep. So digital allowed us to send multiple yep. commands. Be before it was just on or off, mm -hmm. full widths or, or nothing. Mm, so more sensitive yep. sending. Now, now you have actually proportional control. Proportional control. So a little bit, you can make a nice shallow turn, or you can make a real sharp turn, depending on how far you move the stick on your transmitter. Okay, so it became more realistic. Yes actually right and so you mentioned servos I know a little bit about okay but servos are the little devices okay. you've got a, a radio receiver which is about half the size of a package of cigarettes oh. you've got a battery yeah which uh, can be anywhere from tiny tiny uh, fist smaller than in the fist and then two fists yeah <laughs> it, so and then you've got the servos, which are the control devices, which actually move the controls, and they are plugged into the receiver. So the receiver decodes the information the transmitter sends and then operates that as little or as much as you push on a stick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And each, each command is a channel. Uh, the ailerons actually roll the airplane. Mm -hmm. The elevator makes the plane go up and down. There's two channels. Mm -hmm. There's a third channel for the motor control. There's a channel for the rudder, which is pretty predominantly used for steering on the ground for mm. aerobatic maneuvers. Mm. So you don't actually use the rudder to turn the airplane in the air. You use the ailerons in the elevator. Mm -hmm. You bank the plane at say a 45 degree angle and you give it up elevator and it turns around and comes back to you. Mm -hmm. 
that's, that's the principle anyway. And, but some planes have self-writing capabilities. The trainers, they'll kind of level themselves back out. The, the planes that I generally fly, uh, you fly them all the time. They have no, you know, if they're pointing at the ground, they won't, they'll continue to go until they hit the ground. They will not change direction. Mm. If they're banked off the one side or the other, they don't straighten themselves out. Mm. The trainer planes are built for that purpose of learning to fly. Mm. And I have seen people learn to fly in as little as six or eight flights. I've seen other people that have struggled for years and never quite figured it out. Mm. So it takes time. Uh, you have to dedicate yourself. The, uh, the cost of planes nowadays has actually gone down because we're building planes now out of foam, believe it or not. Uh, so very mold, nice, molded foam with the radios already installed in them and you just, some of them actually come with their own transmitters, everything's complete. They've even got them now that you've got a button on them that will, you can take off, push the button and the plane will land itself. It knows, and it knows exactly where it's at. It can't fly away, it'll fly so far, turn around and come back. I was just gonna say plug and play, but like that's even beyond. Yeah, I know that from the drone, uh, when you have a yeah. drone and yeah. we take pictures with drone, for example. Yeah. The drones uh, do have the GPS technology. Yes, and yeah. then you can uh, send it home and it comes back yeah. to where you are at. Yeah, so yeah. now, but it drone to me is, it's kind of like a helicopter deal, yeah. like where the plane is yeah. much well, faster forward, I would say. They do have regular helicopters. Yeah. They, there's a lot of that. That got really popular a few years back, but it kind of dwindled away. They're very difficult to fly because you've got to fly with, you fly with, when I'm flying my models, I'm usually, unless I'm doing some aerobatics, I'm flying with rudder and elevator, and that's all on one stick. Mm -hmm. combined so I don't have to do anything when you're flying a helicopter you're using both your hands it's like trying to pat your head and rub your stomach at the same time to coordinate things and that's what it takes time and practice and the advantage helicopters have is they aren't as affected by the wind and when they you are not they're not mm -hmm. and when you crash them, a lot of times you're not breaking up the whole thing. You're just breaking parts which can be replaced. Sure. With a model airplane, whether it's balsa wood or foam, when you crash, most of the time it's a it's two pieces and it's done. It's 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 a it's a bag of it's a bag of they the balsa wood airplanes are covered in a plastic film. The foam airplanes, of course, sometimes can be repaired by gluing stuff. But if you smash the foam, yeah. you can't do anything with it. The aerodynamics is yeah, just You can't get the pieces to go back together. Yeah. So there's advantages to both. Uh, it takes a lot more time and, and skill levels to fly the helicopters and they're very aerobatic some of them. Yeah. I, you wouldn't believe you can fly a helicopter upside down but you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know you can That's do it. rolls and loops and all sorts of crazy things with helicopters. Huh. But it takes a a lot of time and a lot of dedication to do that. Yeah. And most of the guys that fly helicopters, that's what they specialize in. They okay. don't they don't fly the airplane stuff as much or uh -huh. very little or none at all, some of them. And it's just the same way too. The guys that fly the airplanes tend to stay away from the helicopters because it's a whole different kind of flying style. Huh. You know. 
And we've got, there's other things in the hobby. I mean, we've got free flight, you've got the control line stuff, you've got, uh, we've got a organization that we belong to and it's required for all the clubs. It's called the Academy of Model Aeronautics. They provide us with two and a half million dollars worth of liability insurance. Mm. It's about $65 a year for, for us For the guys. club or for, for each member? Each member. Mm -hmm. And in order to fly at the site, most of the site owners, because unless you own your own property, if you're leasing it or flying on public land, they'll require yeah, insurance. a charter club. Insurance. Charter, and the charter, the club, you have to charter a club and have to have so many members. Those members then represent a club that provides uh, more insurance, the charter does, plus the individual. Yeah. So it gets to be, it's complicated and like I say, it's... Well, it sounds organized. It is That's very, a good thing and the, it's protecting everybody around us. Well, see, the AMA, aside from providing insurance, also sets all the rules for competition because we have a lot of different rules for competition, a lot of different competing areas. Uh, One second, if I may. So let's go to a competition and like an event like that in a moment. Um, we learned that we have a local club. Yes. Um, we heard the Fargo club, there's even clubs in Bismarck. So there's quite a few clubs just in yeah. a small okay, area. Yeah. Yeah, so we've, we've got Alexandria, Fargo has an RC club and a control line club. Yeah. And they're different, completely different from each other. Yeah. Uh, Bismarck has got a club, Jamestown, uh, Fergus Falls, uh, Alexandria, Brainerd. There's even a group of guys that have formed a club over in Motley. That oh. have, yeah. So, so they're small, they're all small organizations. You know, we sure. anywhere from 10 to 25 members is, is average for these smaller clubs, unless you get into the big cities. But still, I mean, these are uh, quite, many people that are interested in that hobby yep. and uh, more than I would have actually guessed. Do you know how many clubs are nationwide by chance? No, I don't. There's se several, I'm, I'm several thousand, I'm sure. Several thousand, I would have guessed. Yeah, because I every state has got quite a few clubs. Yeah. Uh, I know that, like I say, and with the Academy of Model Aeronautics, they break up the country into different districts. Okay and they take four or five states for one district and four or five states for another. And then they have a representative that represents the AMA that goes around to these different events and different clubs. That's like the national organization that's kind a of national who, organization. who helps the local yep. chapters kind because of. Because a lot of times we have trouble with uh, landowners or acquiring land or losing flying sites, noise. Oh, the clubs own land at times? Oh yes, many oh, clubs really? do, many clubs. That's gotten, and even if you own your own land, sometimes you can lose your license, flying field, flying field, because of a noise problem. Yeah, noise. And so, but now with the electric stuff that's coming out now, the noise when isn't as near as big a factor as it used to be. You have to change your name from Screaming Eagles to <laughs> Flying Eagles, Silent, Silent, Silent Eagles, Eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Modern Eagles. <laughs> no, okay, jokes aside. So, um, do you know when this? club was formed was it 1970 
a dozen members. Okay. Uh, and we've lost a few. Uh, some of us get older, and there's a few people that, well, just like the Skylarks Club in, in Fargo, that was formed way back in the 60s, and there's only two or three members of the original club that are still alive. You know, so that happens a lot, and it's hard to get young people to come into a club because, well, if you're a teenager, you know, model airplanes are not near as important as girls are, you know, so. Well, recruiting is recruiting really Recruiting is tough. Recruiting and, and there's so many options nowadays. for the things. kids to do today. Uh, you know, you've got the boating and the fishing and, and hunting and it's it gets to be. What comes actually interesting now that we talk about it, um, I'm a Rotarian in Detroit Lakes and I have been to one of the meetings where the robotic, robotics club from Frazee, now we have not that I want to say competing, but there's uh, like uh, um, yeah, there's, uh, there's other interests. Other interest. yeah. But now recruiting, I could imagine that a lot of the younger members could come as from like the children, like the family, right? The, yeah. the, 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 the well, that's parents, what happens a lot. Fathers, a lot of times, a, a father and son. Uh, we have one gentleman that uh, used to come to our fun flies all the time uh, from Bemidji, mm. and he brought his son with him when he first started coming. Uh, the kid was about six years old, mm -hmm. and he was flying. Mm. And that's got to be, I think I, I just seen him in Alexandria here uh, back in June, and the kid is like 13 or 14 now, and super pilot. Mm. Just absolutely unbelievable. But these kids catch on because they start with stuff that us older guys have worked up to, mm. But they they've started with this stuff and they just technology they've wise they yeah they've mm. got it figured out the aerobatics part of it uh, and because you know we fly around and do basic aerobatics but uh, once you get to a certain age it's hard to learn new tricks mm -hmm. Mm. and if you do learn the new tricks you're not as good at them as the younger generation is because the plane they is play old or the fly pilot is. <laughs> The, pi the pilots <laughs> just, just don't, the pilots don't, don't, really? I don't catch on to all, I guess I've spent a home, so many years building airplanes and the younger generation don't build. We've got almost ready to fly airplanes out there. Mm. We've got foam airplanes that are basically ready to fly. Mm. And I built my airplanes. I spent a lot of time into them. And so I don't like to crash. The younger generation, they don't have the fear of crashing an airplane because they know they can just get another one within a few days and be flying again. I see. Instead so, of spending the next three months building an airplane. So you're more cautious, they're yeah. braver. Yeah, yeah. and they, so they, they don't have <laughs> that fear that us older guys do that have had to work at the hobby so I could long. see, yeah, I could see. So tell us a little bit about the, the not the 60 years ago, but like um, they are, some are like foil around a Cascus? What is that like? A how do you explain a like? Is was it a wood mesh and then foil around it? Uh, how oh. were they create uh, like in the eighties? How did they look in the eighties? The planes back then were don't look any different than they do now. Uh, sorry, how were they constructed? But back then they were still built out of wood. wood. But most of the planes back then had to be built back in the eighties, seventies, and eighties, because there were no companies building. Now they have companies, factories that physically build the airplane in jigs, just like you would assemble an automobile or anything. Everything is all cut out. They have 
uh, lasers now that, that cut all the parts out. Right. Assembly line building. Sure. And the same way with the covering and everything. So it's all done in a factory. And all you end up having to do is put your radio gear into it and maybe glue the tail on and that's it. Sure, and, and, and back in the day you had to do it yourself. Yeah, back then everything was do it. And the, the few uh, ready to fly, almost ready to fly airplanes they had back then were pretty poor. Uh, so were, there, there were no kits in the 80s at all? They kits? Were, they, were oh. Kits. Oh, they were kits. All kits. Now it's hard to find kits. Mm -hmm. There are not many kits out there because only, only maybe one out of every 10 people in a, in a club actually build airplanes anymore. Mm. You know, if you've got 50 members in a club, you might have five or six that build. Mm. I think in our club, we probably, you know, there's, we've got a dozen or so people. I think half of our people will build an airplane. Yeah. But that's but only because we're the hardcore guys that have, but if we went back to the 30 members we had, you know, 30 years ago, uh, chances are we wouldn't get any more builders in there. I would, I blame the impatience of the generation. Well, no, I'm just kidding. Well, I, no, I I'm just kidding. I, I, it's available. We, it's it, we it's do also live, more affordable. We do live in a society that, that is fast paced and we just, people don't want to wait. They want it now. And I can go out and buy a ready to fly, a almost ready to fly airplane. And it's going to cost me less than if I go out and buy a kit and build it myself. No, I see that, but like I was joking, but it's also true. Yeah. But um, I, I used to build little model train yeah. houses, and uh, my dad was a model train guy, okay. and I had my remote controlled cars, and I built it too. Back in the day, they didn't come ready, so I had to build my cars. Now I bought one for my son three years back, and it was ready, and now he's really into it. He's 11 yeah. and a half. Yeah. But I think it's what we grew up with, and, and I also see the convenience now with the ready to fly or yes. ready to, uh, to ride well, bike. And, they, and all of that stuff is already pre-tested. It flies good. Yeah. And it, it's made to, it's a, usually it's a company that hires these foreign companies to build. Vietnam and China, I hate to say it. Uh, some of these, uh, there's places, Japan, for the radios and all this stuff is made because it's so much cheaper. I think Taiwan is big Taiwan in remote control things, isn't it? Taiwan is big in all this, yes they, it I, is. I know, I, I remember that. You take a, a, a company like Horizon Hobby, which is a, yeah. big, a big warehouse distributor, Yeah. They will. somebody will design an airplane, Yeah. and then they will take that design to the these companies that build. Yeah. And they will make a run of 10,000 airplanes or whatever, and of course when they're done, they, they don't build them anymore, yeah. they move on to something else. Sure. But they've already tested all these airplanes, they know they fly good. Yeah, yeah. And so, a lot of times if you design an airplane yourself, you've got to go through all the test procedure. Sure. I built a plane here a couple of years back that I designed myself. Hmm. Uh, I took the drawings off of the internet for a plane called a GB. Mm -hmm. It was a racing plane that Jimmy Doolittle raced back in the 30s. It had, looked like a bumblebee only because it, it was big and round and it was basically a flying motor. Uh, and it was made for racing. They're terrible airplanes for scale airplanes. But I did a profile fuselage so it was just a flat sided body on it. Designed it up, followed the outlines so, so that I got the right outlines. Went together, it flew. but. It took me a couple of flights to realize that it was tail heavy, so I had to add, I had to add weight to the nose, I had to move the motor ahead. 
Uh, I had a problem trying to get the plane to actually flare and land, and I realized that the propeller that was spinning on it was big enough that it was blanking out when I was trying to land that it was blanking out the elevators in the back so I couldn't give it up elevator and land it. Hmm. It just bounced in. Hmm. Once I got the problem sorted out, got the right control throws and all of that, then it flies great. But when you buy something that's already built, they tell you right in the instructions how much elevator, how much of this you need, how much of that. And but so you know, I like that. So for example, if there was a young child that it finds that passion and interest, yeah. uh, like the kids that are in the robotics groups, yeah. you know, one wants to become an engineer, one wants to become a heart surgeon, another one wants to just uh, write books or yeah. become a cab driver or a truck driver or a farmer. And it's not that we are judging, but it's the interest. And I yeah. think like that patience, like my son, for, for whatever reason, can sit still and work on things. I'm not so patient myself, <laughs> so, well, uh, but like the, what I mean is yeah. like there is groups and I think we have a nice generation with the robotics. They were very passionate. Um, maybe uh, like they are also a recruitment opportunity, I assume. Well, have you ever met with them because they build ground objects, I guess, but they are technology I wizards. Actually, I, haven't, I haven't had any dealings with them, no, mm. but I have had dealings with, uh, I remember there was a, uh, a rocket club in Fargo that used to a rocket club. rockets okay model rockets sure I know from they now. did have one that they actually had that was had up it was about 12 feet long and they actually had rocket. yes 12 they, feet 12 <laughs> and a, a diameter of about the size of a football or a, ba a basketball round. dangerous well when they fired <laughs> this rocket they had to get permission from the well, FAA, better, of course, <laughs> and from the from the airport to make sure that we were because this thing would go up ten thousand feet. Yeah, imagine an airplane coming yeah. from so, San Francisco to New York. And they made their they own go? rocket fuel, solid fuel. Wow. Yeah, it, I <laughs> mean, <laughs> so there's some dedication there. Yeah. You know, but yeah. I mean, it's uh, it takes you know, and like you say, the robotics, basically. Uh, our airplane is similar to a robot because it's got the, it's got deals that push things around. No, it is. It's very similar yeah. in, way, and, but and in so a way. That's, it's just a different way of applying stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, technology is yeah. it's almost the exact same. It just goes in a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so you are located uh, on Highway 10, just north of Highway 10, leaving Perham at the airport exit. And then it's uh, you're pretty much on the first right. Uh, uh, crossing yeah, just the past the un just past the underpass where the road goes over there. So is that 34 or whatever that goes over? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have a little white sign. There's a white sign that says RC Field, AMA RC. Field, or whatever. Yeah, AMA yeah. I saw field. that. Yeah. And then um, I saw you guys coincidentally. Do you meet like once a month? Do you uh, meet once a quarter? Do you have a regular? Actually, actually, we uh, we because everything is so straightforward and simple at our field. We really only have meetings either in the spring to plan our agenda for the year and maybe right before our, our event. What is and the event? And other than that, we just get out there whenever we can. Oh, okay. And we like to fly because when the weather's nice, we like to fly. Okay. You know. So uh, people can just maybe see you. If there's somebody out there, everybody's welcome. You did. We uh, encourage people to stop because that's 
if they see us, sometimes they get excited about stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. You know. What is the event you just mentioned? Is uh, it like an annual? the Turtle Fest, we, we host a fun fly. Oh. Uh, and we charge an admission. We give away prizes. Uh, we provide a meal for the, for the people that come there. And we usually get the 30, 40 people that show up from different clubs around, uh, local clubs. We get Fergus, we get uh, people from Perm, we get people from up in Bemidji, Fargo. You know, they come from generally a lot of different places to fly here. We do have a really nice strip to take off of. Uh, a lot of fields have a grass field, it's all grass. And you have to keep it mowed pretty tight because our wheels are only two, three inches in diameter. So you can't have big grass. They won't get through it. Mm. But we have actually a, a, a strip down there that's a material, it's called Propec. Mm -hmm. And it's the underlayment that they put under roads. Mm. And when you put it on top of the ground, it becomes this lake pavement. Sure. Only, only it's soft, but it provides you know, you can take, we could fly micro airplanes. I mean, we have airplanes out there that only weigh a couple of ounces. Mm -hmm. And they got wheels that might be a half an inch in diameter. You can actually fly those off of that and land them on that propack. Is it 90 feet long? How long was it? Or uh, 150? It's about 200 feet. 200 feet, yeah, it yeah. looks like yeah, a real 30 feet wide. Yep. Uh, which isn't all that big when you start landing an air. I mean, if you're still gonna fly an airplane that's got a, a six foot wingspan on it, which is not uncommon. Okay. Uh, that gets to be a pretty small spot to land in. Okay. But the average airplane at the, you know, the, the average airplane is, is 48 inches to 60 inches wingspan. Yeah, and which is still four feet to five feet. Yeah, four to five feet. And those planes are real comfortable out there. They're, okay. they're very easy to take off and land out there. When you get into the big airplanes, the giant scale airplanes, the third scale, the the bigger 40% scale, uh, some can be a handful. The warbirds, the ones that actually replicate uh, World War II airplanes, the fighter plane, those take a little more, those are a little fussier. Oh, because and they, they come in faster, uh, you gotta be, you don't have the, if you miss the runway out to where we're at, you're in the weeds uh, and you're gonna break something. Mm. Whereas with a small plane, it's a little easier to get those planes in. They slow down nicely. There are some of the big planes that slow down good. Mm -hmm. Some of the big aerobatic planes can float in just, they'll come in just as pretty as you please. But, <laughs> but so there's, there's drawbacks to every field. Uh, the Alexandria field that we fly at, that I fly at once in a while, uh, it's all grass. Mm -hmm. But there's times there where you can barely get through the grass, even if it's mowed, it's so thick. Mm -hmm. Unless you got really large wheels, you got to have you know four-inch wheels on your airplane to be able to roll through the grass. So, is your event uh, during Turtle Days? There yeah. was not really. There was a short version of Turtle Days. Yeah, so they didn't have anything this so year. So we this year yeah. we paused, so, and then so you plan something next so year again. Yeah. So we decided that you know, in the interest of safety for our members and for yeah. the people, we just decided that to push you know, it. A lot of clubs depend on these fun flies for. Funding? For their funding for to, because they have leases that they have to pay or they have expenses at the field they have to pay. So they need these fun flies. Other clubs like ours, uh, it's nice to have. Uh, we don't make any money at it. Usually it's a break-even situation. Mm -hmm. So all we really need is, you know, maintain is our mowing 
yeah. which are, are gas. We did have to buy a new mower here last fall. We had to buy a new mower. Our mowers were dying on us. Yeah. That's quite a, you know, there's about five, six acres of mowing there. So it gets yeah. to be quite a bit of mowing. <laughs> it, it gets, it, you know, the, the little yard variety of mowers, they, were, they aren't made for mowing commercial, and that's basically what it is. Yeah. So we ended up with a bigger John Deere, which we got really, really good price on and used, but and we, you know, we had enough money in our treasury. It kind of hurt us for a while, but once the dues started coming in, and the next year we 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 popped back. So, how can people get in touch with you? Do you have like a website or like a Facebook? We page do have or? a Facebook page. Okay. And to get into that, you just have to go on Facebook and uh, do the screaming without the G Eagles, uh, and then find the one for Perm. There are some other screaming Eagles. We will link that with our podcast uh, yeah. to make sure that they yeah. find you. Yeah. But so, but yeah, and so they can contact anybody uh, in in the club for mm -hmm. information. Uh, not that you know, all you have to do is ask a question, and there'll be somebody on that uh, that'll that'll get back to you. They may not, may not get back to you right away because not everybody looks at it. But we try to keep an eye on it. It's not not that easy sometimes. I've there are some clubs out there. There's a club in Painesville that's got a website out there that is unfinished. It's been unfinished for the past five years. There's nothing on the website. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I imagine it's just people don't have the time to, to go to sit down and program in the stuff without a website. And so that happens sometimes too. So, uh, and now if I, I did have a gentleman call me a while back uh, because uh, he was, wanting to fly out at the lakes uh, and he didn't know if there was regulations or restrictions on lake flying because he was Water, floating plane yeah with, with with float planes or whatever and as far as i know there isn't any unless there's something special there but most cases if you could you know all you need is a boat to retrieve your airplane in case it goes down someplace and i i didn't get back to him but he did find uh the uh my information on on the AMA website. Mm, yeah, and then, then was able to contact you. Yeah, yeah so yeah. so that's See, another area too that you know that we can because you're organized in the in the yeah. with the chapters yeah. and the, and there the are clubs. contact people out uh, through the Academy of Model Aeronautics that that if they would get onto that website they might be able to get in touch with with somebody that would get either get back to us so we could get to them or give us give them the information to get to us too. Yeah, no. I just to, to walk to drive past whenever there's somebody out if, if yeah. they're interested. That's the time to stop. Yeah, yeah. No, I I saw you flying, yeah. and uh, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Um, I very much uh, will keep an eye out if yeah. uh, there's another plane to to see and yeah. stop again. But um, I think if ever anybody has interest to contact you, they'll find you through Facebook uh, yeah. or stop by. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, very much appreciate you coming and sharing uh, the story of the yeah, yeah. screaming eagles. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we learned a lot. Thank you so much. Oh, sure. That's, that's fine. Like I say, and, and we're always willing to help somebody that wants to learn to fly. Uh, it's not that hard to do. It takes a little time and a little dedication. But with all the new technologies out there, uh, planes have gyros built into them that'll self-level them. If you get in trouble, you push a button, the plane automatically straightens itself out. So you don't crash like you used to. That used to be a big fear that people would have. Yeah. You know, oh, I tried to fly this and it just crashed. Well, 
you don't really want to ever go in and try and fly an airplane unless it's got one of the new technology. If you buy a used airplane from somebody, your best bet is to get a hold of somebody in the club and buddy up with them because that's that will sure that that plane will be around. So once you learn to fly, you'll be able to keep flying it. Yeah, yeah. So good, good advice. Good yeah. tips. Thank you very much, and you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Appreciate the opportunity. To Thank you. Yeah, this was already our uh, newest episode of the Lake Life Weekend podcast. We sure hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tune in again next week with another great guest and updates. Always check out our website, uh, lakelifeweekend.com. And if you have some comments, please feel free to email us at hello at lakelifeweekend.com. And uh, you have a wonderful weekend ahead. Uh-huh.